The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris, and it is Thursday, April the 2nd. There's a lot of fun memes going around on the internet, aren't there? What, March 1st, April 1st, where everybody talks about how much they've aged this month. But let's be honest, the year 2020 has aged us all. Not just the last month. The quarantine has been a little rough, a little exhausting. But I'll say the same thing I have before. If you're bored, I'll give you a toddler to take care of for nine hours. You won't be bored anymore. You might fall asleep in the middle of the day and wake up to your home being uh, trashed by a child. But you won't be bored. You won't be bored. Things are going well on our end. We're uh, we're staying safe over here, staying bottled up nicely in, in our home. Hope you guys are all safe out there as well. I know things have picked up generally across the country with this uh, global contagion. It really is pretty crazy, isn't it? Before we dive into any basketball stuff today, I just wanted to take a moment to kind of say, this is this is nuts. And not in the, sometimes I worry when I say, you know, how, this is crazy that people are going to think that I'm insinuating that our reaction to it has been. No, just the entirety of this whole process the fact that this is a thing that happened in real life is absolutely nuts. This is movie stuff. This is out of the movies. This is disaster movie. I don't know who's going to come along and fix all this stuff. I know. Well, you know what? I do know who. It's Dr. Anthony Fauci. But we're in it, guys. We are in it. And there's no... The problem with real life is that we can't just snap our fingers and have time pass. We have to actually get through this second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. And at some point, at some point down the line, we will find our normal. But please, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, wipe down your doorknobs. Don't do anything if you don't have to. You know, one thing I haven't really... I'm I'm curious what you guys are doing with this as well, because I've I've heard a lot of different responses or or ways of dealing with it, and that is what do you guys do with deliveries? We've actually been letting our if we don't need the stuff imminently, we've actually been leaving Amazon packages outside for a couple of days to kind of air out a little bit. I've also been told that many folks are wiping down packages, which makes a lot of sense. I always feel like I don't have enough of the the Lysol or the Clorox or the whatever disinfectant wipes to actually get to every corner. You know, are they damp enough? Is it losing its efficacy as the dampness comes out? So then I've taken to kind of spraying random things with 409 and wiping them down that way. This is a... This is a weird existence, guys. Anyway, hit me up on Twitter. Let's talk through this stuff because it's it's not fun, but some of it is a little bit funny. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We're going to get through this thing. We're going to figure this out. This is uh, uncharted territory for so many, many reasons. Businesses are all torn asunder. We're in a, uh, uh, an interesting little spot now because 
I think that most places have realized the the length of the changes that are going on. And so now many businesses have kind of figured out an alternate course, homework and such, being able to, to do things virtually. So I, I feel like there's been an odd normalizing of the craziness, but boy, you wake up every day. Today was kind of interesting for me because there was this like two-minute stretch this morning where I kind of forgot all the things that were going on. It wasn't like I made a mistake and then thought, oh my gosh, what have I, what have I done? It was really just, you know, I was walking from, I had, I had gotten the newborn to fall asleep. I think I had made my toddler a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I was just walking from one room to the other, and everything was sort of normal for just a second. And then it all rushed back into my head, and I remembered everything that was going on. But it was this, it was this brief moment of peace. I think turning off the news has actually been pretty helpful for me. Not that I don't want to know what's going on, but you just you can't you just can't have that stuff inundate you all the time or you're going to lose your mind. Today's show is going to be a little bit on the shorter side. Uh many of you you probably noticed on yesterday's show, I don't know, maybe you guys didn't pick up on it, but there was a point pretty late in the show where I actually started to fall asleep while I was speaking. And that's when you know you've pushed it a little bit too far. <laughs> We've got, you know, you got the newborn overnights happening right now. And I, you know, I abandoned ship at that point. I managed to to sort of correct course and then edit things later. But uh, we're going to go a little bit shorter today's show. Tomorrow, uh, hoping that we can get Brewski on the program, we'll do kind of a if the season is over how did we do on certain aspects, certain players, elements, rankings, things like that. We'll do fantasy talk. We'll do uh, season win totals, which, by the way, massive pisser right now because I have bets like the Raptors. They're already over their season win total, but I can almost guarantee those are not going to pay out. They're all going to be nullified because teams got to play all 82 games and sportsbooks aren't just going to pay out based on teams playing 64. It's just not going to be the case, so... We'll get into all that stuff tomorrow. Today's show will be just a quick 10-look or 10-slot look at what we had going on in the uh, mock draft that we've been breaking down for the better part of a week and a half, and then we'll get you back to your day. So we'll start at pick number 71. We left off at 70. If you want a recap of all of this stuff, just go to Adam King's Twitter feed. He has the results posted from uh, some point last week. You can also hit him up. Uh, just say, hey, where, where are the results? I'm sure he can repost them for you. Uh, pick number 71 was Victor Oladipo, which is a really interesting pick. This is a great time to start taking a few chances on stuff. Not that Victor Oladipo is a massive chance, right? We're not things you're not you're not doing anything crazy here because this is a guy that has a track record, but he's a guy that's coming off missing the better part of this entire season, really never quite got his feet underneath him. Right? So I think anybody that had him, we didn't get to the part of the year where he could start to deliver on why people were holding on to him all season long. And that's that's of critical importance. That's of critical importance because normally... The way that these types of guys go is that 
you hold them all year, and they're not very good when they first come back. And then maybe they start to figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. It's impossible to know exactly how long it's going to take on a on a player to player basis. But let's say that they miss the first two to three months of the year, which is close to what Oladipo was dealing with. He missed a little bit more than that. It takes him like three or four weeks to get their legs underneath them a little bit, and then you get like two really strong months from a particular player. Call it two really strong months. Now, what that does is it gives people a better taste in their mouth at the end of the season. And there might be a little bit of a knock on that player going into the following season's draft. It'll be somewhere in between where if he was healthy, he would go, or if he was hurt and missing time, he would go. But it'd be closer to the if he was healthy marker. Now, the the magic here with Oladipo is because he never really got back to full strength. I mean, he wasn't even remotely close to holding fantasy value this year, and he was just barely starting to sniff uh, even a, a small measure of health. Like I think he had had, and we can look this up here while we're doing the podcast, but he had had just a couple of serviceable ball games right before the season got shut down. Thing, otherwise, things were pretty mixed. He's number 262 in nine category leagues uh, with 2.2 turnovers a game. So without even doing the, the math there, his eight cat wasn't going to be all that far off. But he was just starting to show some signs of life. In fact, his last game, the day before the season got postponed or canceled, we don't know yet, March 10th, he put up 27-7-4 with a steal and a block. Was Indy missing a player or two? Yeah, they're, they're down a couple of guys. But they've been down a couple of guys pretty much all season long. And to that point, Oladipo, who had played 12 previous games, and that's not much, that's about three weeks of basketball, hadn't shown much of anything. I mean, he really ha- had not found his groove at all. That w- that ball game, that last game, was his first one over 20 points this year. He had a 19 mixed in there, but only three boards and an assist in that one. He had a 16.7 assist game. That was the previous game before he blew up in that last one. But otherwise, there was no good taste in anyone's mouth for Victor Oladipo. He was shooting 39% from the field, 78 at the free throw line, uh, under one steal per game in his 26 minutes per ball game. So like even the things that historically have been his very strong suits, they hadn't come back yet because he wasn't fully healthy yet. Or maybe he was healthy, but the rust was still there in a really big way. So the magic with a guy like Oladipo, and what makes him uh, a very intriguing post-hype kind of guy, is that I think he probably gets drafted earlier than 71 next year, but he doesn't go anywhere close to where he was back before the injury. Remember, he had a top 20 season multiple years back, not even two years back, three years back. Last year, he was fine, you know, top 60, top 70 type before suffering the injury because his percentages were bad. Everything was down for him. And I really, I I would be surprised if he went above 50 next year in almost any draft because now you're talking about basically two full seasons where he hasn't performed inside the top 50, and a most recent season where he never really got a chance to show what he could do when healthy. 
Do we think people draft him off of one good game to end this season? I don't. I don't think so. I think that he falls, and I think he ends up as a pretty interesting value. Spent more time on that one than normal because, well, we're going with a a smaller load on today's show. And also, I thought that was a pretty interesting one. Kelly Oubre went at 72 in this mock draft, which is fine. He was far better in... in, well, now, well, hold on a minute. Let, let's let's go over the Ubre thing again because he had a wonderful year. He's number 47 in 8-cat right now. Better than that in 9, which is what I was going to say. That was the end of that last sentence. 1.5 turnovers a game has certainly helped boost. But even without that, he's been very good. Like you said, 47 in 8-cat. Unless I'm missing something. Oh, you know what? He's 47 in 9-cat. Apologies. Yeah, you guys are going to have to bear with me while I say uh, kind of stupid things on this front. Uh, but, you know, looking at Ubre, it's been a really nice year for him, even even with the knock down a few slots in 8-cat. The meniscus thing put a damper on, but, you know, almost two defensive stats a game, 19.6.5 rebounds, two three-pointers, 45% from the field, 78 at the line, low turnovers, which is good for nine. There's there's a lot to like about what he's done, and I feel like Phoenix is, wants to make him a feature part of what they're doing. So why not? You know, he's number 72. That's a pretty easy mark to hit. That's a pretty easy mark to hit for a guy who has a pretty good role carved out. The one thing I'm a little worried about is does the does a healthy DeAndre Ayton knock his rebounding down enough to hurt him in that category? But he's done so many great things all season long, I'm inclined to say he should just sort of be fine. And there's nothing to say that he can't actually get a tiny bit better in, maybe we say, the percentages. It's not a guarantee, not by any stretch of the imagination. But it's a maybe. It's a maybe. But if he, I mean, even if he takes a little step back, he still gets near this ADP. So I like this pick a lot. Larry Markin went at pick number 73 in this draft, which... I'm a little bit less excited about. I'm a little bit less excited about Markinen. He he ended up right around the edge of the top 100 in eight category leagues. A little bit better than that in nine. Played a lot better after a very slow start, and then got hurt and missed six weeks. I think it was about six weeks with the groin stress reaction, which is hard to say without giggling a little bit. For me, with Larry Markin, and you're looking at a few key things, is three-pointers, that's going to be part of his value. Rebounding needs to be part of his value. Free throw percent and probably scoring. Those are the things you're looking at. He averaged 15 points, 2.2 three-pointers, six and change rebounds. Did manage to get 1.3 combined defensive stats, which is not great, but there are certainly worse guys out there. Still, you're not going to hang your hat on that if this is why you're drafting Markin. And then with field goal percent, that's always going to be pretty low because he's taking a lot of outside shots. So the question with Markin going forward is, you know, he was number 100 this year. What's the path for him to clear an ADP of 73? How does he get above that mark? Well, it's, it's going to largely have to come at the volume element. We need more rebounds. We need more scoring. That's really it. Get to the free throw line a tiny bit more would be nice. The other stuff, I don't think you can expect to change all that much. So it needs to just be more involved on the offensive end. How do we get to that point? Well, you probably have to get rid of Jim Boylan. Or get rid of Zach Levine. 
I don't know that I see that one coming. He's their most exciting player, even if I don't know if the do the benefits outweigh, do the pros outweigh the cons? That's a discussion for a different podcast. So Markkinen's never going to be at the top of the pecking order. He has to be willing to sort of push his way up the list more than he has been. There's a chance he could beat this mark. I don't know if it could be by a lot. And so for me, I, there are just a few guys later that I would rather have than Markkinen at this point. I don't hate the pick, but it's probably not the guy I would take. And it's kind of the same thing with the next dude, and that's Thomas Bryant at 74. With Bryant, he's number 113 in 8-cat this year. He's better than that in 9. The 1.3 turnovers do help his cause in that one. But 12.7 boards, a block, 60% shooting from the field, 73 at the free throw line. You know, certainly the news with Bryant is that he was hurt almost the entire season. Played only 38 games, averaged less than 24 minutes per ball game. So you look at it and you're like, okay, well, what would it take to get him into the 70s from here? And the answer is not all that much. Get the minutes up from 24 to maybe 28. Would that do the trick? Possibly. I mean, you're thinking more like 15 and 8 instead of 12 and 7. 0.9 blocks becomes 1.1, 1.2. The volume is a little bit better, so his good field goal percent helps you more. That's his best statistical category, so you want more of it. But I don't know. I just, to me, he makes more sense as a nine category sort of later center because of those low turnovers, because he's pretty efficient. In eight cat, in the 70s, you can still probably take a, a small, not it doesn't have to be a home run cut, but, you know, sort of a medium sized cut at someone that just might have a really big year, that might have things click and go up the charts a little bit. We're in the rounds where you can take those chances. I don't think Thomas Bryant is a chance. I think that odds are he's the starting center for the Wizards. Things could change and it could go down. But even as a starting center in 8-cat, it's going to be hard for him to get above 65, a full workload, which does beat this mark, but it doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room. To me, I'm looking at the wiggle room there, and for him it's like, you know, between 110 and 65, which makes him a relatively safe pick. But it's, and it's weird for me to say this, I know, because of my, my history. Uh, I'm okay with going a little less safe at this point. He said before announcing his own next pick, my seventh round pick was pick number 75, and I took Ricky Rubio. Uh, and I'm really happy about this one. And I don't, I'm a little bit surprised that he fell this far in an eight-cat format. Rubio was number 46 on a per-game basis in eight category leagues this year. 2.7 turnovers, but you can throw that out the window. Otherwise, 13 points, 9 assists, 1.5 steals, over a three-pointer, 85% free throws on 3.6 per game. He was more valuable there than people realized. He's never going to shoot the ball all that well, so the field goal percent will hurt you. But overall, this was a fantastic late point guard to get. I'm, I'm really excited about this pick in a mock draft. I don't think he falls that far when we get around to next year, but boy, an 8-cat, if you're getting him in the 70s, we've seen they like his role, and it's not like you can say, well, you know, he took over for Devin Booker with ball handling stuff. No, Booker played 62 games so far this year. Booker had the ball in his hands plenty. Rubio just had a really nice role with a team that got him back to sort of the old Rubio style of play and not the Utah no-gambling. He was able to gamble again. Steals are back up. Assists are real high. Everything was glorious. Team played with pace. 
He was great to work with for the big guys. Got them looks in transition. Uh, I, I, this is one of my favorite picks I made. Brandon Clark went to pick number 76. This one is, you know, you're taking a little bit of a chance. This is a chance. This is a chance at upside. He's number 103 in 8-cat this year at .9 turnovers per game. So this is one you're saying, I want this guy getting volume. I want him getting volume. It's kind of amazing that he was at 103 despite how much of his value was tied up in his less than one turnover per game. 62% from the field, excellent. 79 at the free throw line, very good for a center-eligible player. So both percentages, you guys know how I like that. And in only 22 minutes a game, he was averaging 12 and 6 with 1.3 defensive stats. Get him up to 25, 26 minutes a game, that's an easy top 80 guy. Maybe better. What if they give him the freedom to do a little bit more? Now, it's worth mentioning he was an older rookie, so the learning curve won't be quite as steep. We were like, oh, he's just going to get way better in every category. I think maybe a little bit better, but more than anything, it's about role. Does he have a larger role next year with the Grizz that allows him to take more shots? Or really just be on the floor more? That's all we're asking for at this point. So I'm good with it. I'm good with taking a shot here. There are a few players that I probably would have taken over him, but I'm not going to split hairs because this is where you start to take some chances. Do I think Brandon Clark could be a top 50 guy in 8-cat? Well, boy, he's going to have to play, play close to 30 minutes a game, I think, to get to that point. I don't know if that's happening. Tobias Harris went at pick number 77 to our good buddy Josh Millman, and everybody's looking at me and thinking, why didn't you do this, Dan? Honestly, I don't know. I just I thought Ricky Rubio was a better 8-cat fit. But Tobias Harris, number 61 in 8-cat, there's no reason to think that his role changes much on a year-to-year basis. He's incredibly consistent with his fantasy game, and I like this pick safe, easy, you get yourself a guy you can just plug in there every night and not worry about. Simple. We don't need to spend much time on him. Danilo Gallinari was the next pick off the board at pick number 78 in this draft. He's another guy who uh, certainly gets a boost by the 1.3 turnovers a game. 64 was his rank, so basically right behind Tobias Harris at 19 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3 three-pointers, I'm a little bit concerned. So for Gallo, his value is tied up in scoring, free throw percent, and now three-pointers. He's made a big jump there. He's taken, he's taking more of them. He's been great. Played in 55 games this year. His health has been much better over the last couple of seasons, which is a, 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 a big positive. My fear with Gallo is that we don't really know what his role is going to be next year. He was a he's an expiring contract. So he could end up with a feature role or he could end up where he's the third or fourth option. And right now, because we're doing a draft, we did a draft in March, it's not a great time to make a play on a guy like this. So if you're drafting him, you're thinking, okay, this is a guy I'm drafting, assuming he's gonna end up as, you know, number two scorer on some team. And that's great. If he does that, then he gets two or slightly above where he was this most recent season. But what if he ends up as the third or fourth option? To me, he doesn't have too many places to go but down from what he's done in OKC this year or with LA this season before that. And that's why I wouldn't draft him in a March draft. He's a, he's a guy you really need to have more information on. You just need more info. 
So I can't give this one a positive or a negative grade. Completely neutral because we have no idea what the status of Gallo is going to be next year. Draymond Green at pick number 79. I actually like this pick a lot. Uh, forgotten man because he's been, he was bad. He was pretty bad this year and he was still number 77 in 8-cat somehow. I, I, I couldn't explain that one away to save my life. He had a couple of good ball games mixed in with a lot of bad ones and that was enough to save him. 8 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.8 blocks. Brutal field goal percent. And just wasn't really engaged, but for a couple of weeks all season long. Next year, with the Warriors getting healthy, I think you see Draymond fire the engines back up again. This was like the rest year. They went to the finals like 15 years in a row. You don't think these guys are tired? This is a rest year for Dre. He'll come back next year, and he's going to be raring to go. I really like this pick in the late 70s. I think he has top 50, maybe even top 40 potential next year in 8-cat. I would definitely take him here. And finally, DeJounte Murray going at pick number 80. Uh, He's another interesting test case. He's number 70 in 8-cat this year, despite what I think a lot of people would call kind of a clunky year. But he's beating this ADP already. 11 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 1.7 big steals numbers. Good percentages. Not great, but good in both. And if any opportunity opens up for him next year, if 25 minutes becomes 27 if he gets a little bit more ball handling duty, then he goes up from there. I like this pick. A lot of upside, really high floor, because even when he is having a bad year, he was already beating this ADP. Well, tip of the cap to you, Jonas. That was a good find. As mentioned, we're keeping this one a little bit on the brief side. We'll uh, put a we'll pull the plug here at about 25 minutes or so on the podcast. Again, tomorrow we'll talk to Brewski. That'll be coming out in the late afternoon. And it'll carry you through the weekend. little season and review stuff we'll start to get into uh, just in case. And obviously, we can do a re-season and review if they do fire up some more games. But for now, we'll talk about what we've learned from this year so far. That's coming up tomorrow. That'll get you through the weekend. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for bearing with me, everybody. Managed to stay awake through the entire podcast today. I hope you did as well. I am Dan Vespers. This is a hoop-ball.com show. Have a good Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.